This is Straight Out of Vegas. Straight Out of Vegas! With the voice of Vegas, your host, RJ Bell. Pay that man his money. You are now about to witness the strength of street knowledge. Live from the Vegas Strip, the pregame show America has always wanted. Here's Bernie Fratto. Well, in our complex world, there are objective truths and there are personal feelings. And our job tonight and every night in the world of sports is to make sure you do not confuse the two. This is a fun time of year. You see, you know, we don't have royalty in our country. Our athletes and our entertainers are our royalty. And you may love them, you may hate them, but the opposite of love is not hate, it's indifference. That's why we're all watching. On that note, I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. And tonight, we open by giving a quick rundown of the percentage chance of the seven remaining playoff hopefuls in the NFL as uh, seven teams vie for only three remaining spots. But really, it's not that complicated this year. In about 15 minutes, we'll be joined by Kevin Bollinger. He's the local Fox 5 TV sports anchor here in Las Vegas. He's been on the Raiders beat literally since day one, since uh, the Raiders were still in Oakland and it was announced he'd be coming here. And this has been an epic season for multiple reasons. And the fact that the Raiders find themselves in a quasi-playoff game tomorrow is, frankly, incredible. Uh, After Brian Finley's update, we'll follow up on the analysis and breakdown of Monday night's college football championship game. And we were told that this will be the heaviest bet game in in college football of all time. And then we'll close down the show with some NFL Week 18 trends, including a key edge that's been an NFL staple since 1980. Sports are entertainment, but they're more than that. They're a shared experience. As such, people want to talk about them. You've come to the right place. We've got a lot to talk about tonight. This is Straight Out of Ace, the pregame show you always wanted. And as they say in Austin, Minnesota, it's going to be lit. Remember, the significance of Austin, Minnesota... It's the birthplace of John Madden. Bet you didn't know that. Now you do. All right, so the NFL Week 18 is upon us, and it, we're, we've got to get used to saying that. We're not used to saying that yet, of course. And there are a lot of uh, interesting games tomorrow. And as we enter the final week of the NFL 21-22 season, as I said, there are seven teams vying for three remaining playoff spots. And... When you look at the odds from the betting market, it kind of helps decipher those teams and what their chances really are to advance to the postseason. So in the NFC, San Francisco and New Orleans, well, they're going to battle for the final wild card position. Now, things are a little bit more muddled in the AFC. The Colts, they're the most likely candidate to advance to the postseason. Uh, Indianapolis just needs a win against Jacksonville in the season finale. We'd all be shocked if they don't beat Jacksonville tomorrow, but it's the National Football League, right? Um, the final spot, the final playoff spot in the AFC will go to the winner of the Chargers-Raider game on Sunday night. And I know this sounds crazy. The Steelers and Ravens technically, technically, mathematically, they're still alive heading into their matchup this weekend. But the Steelers basically only have a 6% chance of getting into the playoffs. And the Ravens a 2.4% chance of getting into the playoffs. And if, you really feel, you know, if you're really feeling saucy 
uh, $100 on the Ravens would bring you back 4000 if they get into the playoffs. And as far as the Pittsburgh Steelers, $100 would bring back 1400 So you'd be probably be better off letting your money on fire. At least it'll keep you warm. And I want to say one quick thing about the Raider game because if I have a nickel, had a nickel for every time I heard some slappy uh, on, on the airwaves across the country this past week says, well, you know, if they take a knee and go back and forth and they tie, uh, they, they can both get in the playoffs. Well, you know, if they actually did something like that, which you never do in a million years, the commissioner has within his right to declare a double forfeit. If there is any action, <coughs> untoward action in a National Football League game, which would cause what you would call the integrity of the game to be called into question. So suffice it to say, that's not going to happen. These teams want to win. And I'm going to get into a, a, a pretty good in-depth analysis on this game later, but I think the Chargers are healthier. So they're favored to win. They're favored for a reason. But look, the, the Raiders have had one foot on a grave and the other on a banana peel all year. Before the season even started, their president, Mark Bedane, resigned. And it got worse from there. You know what happened with the John Gruden situation. You know what happened with the Henry Ruggs situation. Then Damon Arnett. <clears throat> just this last week, Dade Hobbs. But yet, they keep showing up on the field. They got more lives than Nicholas and Alexandria. So, I, I, this, this is going to be a very fun game to watch uh, tomorrow. So, let's take a quick look at the NFL team. Still in the playoff mix heading into tomorrow. And, and, and the odds. Now... Let's talk about, for instance, the, the, the Chargers and Raiders. Uh, I know this adds up to more than 100%, but the DraftKings odds give the Raiders a 60%, or check that, the Chargers a 60% chance. You'd have to put minus 150 to win 100 on the Chargers, but the Raiders, 100 would bring you back 105. They've got the Chargers at plus 60% to get to the playoffs. It's going to win tomorrow. And the Raiders at 48%. That sounds about right. That feels about right. Because if you talk to some good diehard Chargers fans over the years, they're always waiting for the other shoe to drop. I know that happens in Buffalo and happens in a lot of cities, but it seems to be prevalent uh, very much so in well, what used to be San Diego, now now Los Angeles. The New Orleans Saints, I haven't mentioned them. Now, now they're going to need help, right? They need the Niners to lose. But they basically were showing them as a 47% chance of getting to the playoffs. The 49ers, 59% chance, which leads me to believe that if Jimmy G is healthy tomorrow and the Niners can run the ball the way they have shown they can run the ball this year and the Rams are susceptible to you know giving up the run, and, I, you know, i got to tell you, this is like a de facto playoff game because if – if the if the Arizona Cardinals win and the Rams lose, the Rams could drop to fifth, the fifth seed. That would be that would be so on brand uh, for the Rams. And look, give it up to the Rams defense. I know Stafford is a sympathetic figure because he's a nice guy and he's a hard worker and he's a good person and he's a gamer and he's a good teammate, a good line guy in the locker room, uh, and he just doesn't win when it matters. But the Rams defense has showed up and showed out. Uh, they won't, in the last five games, in this five-game winning streak, the Rams are only allowing their, their opposition 16 points per game. So those acquisitions, Von Miller really paying dividends. Uh, 
you know, Odell Beckham Jr. is, is paying dividends. Uh, so there you have it. And then the final team, of course, uh, the Indianapolis Colts, they're currently, by the odds, 92% chance to win or ch- to, to advance the playoffs because all they got to do is beat Jacksonville, right? And so there, there really isn't one whole hell of a lot of mystery tomorrow. Uh, whoever wins between the Chargers and the Raiders, you're in. Whoever wins, uh, if, if Jacksonville, uh, or check that, if the Colts win, uh, they're in, obviously. And then where it potentially gets dicey is if the 49ers beat the Rams, they're in. But if the 49ers lose to the Rams, but the Saints lose, the Saints, then the 49ers are still in. But if the 49ers lose to the Rams and the Saints win, well, then the Saints are in. So you can't, you can't, you know... If you followed all that, you're, you're you're better than me. And then you know there's some there's some rivalry games tomorrow. Uh, John Harbaugh, believe it or not, now Baltimore's at home against Pittsburgh, and as I mentioned earlier, Pittsburgh's got a six percent chance. But all kinds of things have to happen for them to get in. And if I start reading them off to you, it just gets boring and stupid. But John, it, you know, from a betting standpoint, the Ravens are laying four four and a half. John Harbaugh is eleven and two straight up in his final home games in the last games of the season. And really, there was no good reason for Baltimore losing to the Rams last week. They had that game, and they gave it away. They had three interceptions. They ran for 165 yards. And as I said, they forced Matt Stafford three turnovers. They held the Rams to three of nine on third down. But the problem was Baltimore was 0 for 2 in the red zone, and they settled for field goals, right? So that didn't get it done. Uh, The Tennessee Titans are fast uh, becoming a team that I think can close this deal. They get Derrick Henry back. And it looks like as long as they beat Houston tomorrow and they're a double-digit favorite, uh, they're, what, 6-1 and one against the spread in their last divisional road games. I think there's a possibility Tennessee goes in there and trucks Houston. All right? They're one away from securing home field advantage throughout the playoffs. They're 7-2 and two all-time at Nissan Stadium. The, the Titans, <clears throat> now believe it or not, they're only 5-3 and three without Derrick Henry this year, but they continue to run the ball pretty effectively with, by committee with Deonta Freeman and Dontrell Hilliard. And the defense in Tennessee has gone in the last few weeks from allowing the ninth most points last year to the sixth fewest this season. And, you know, Tennessee was the AFC's top team midway through the regular season, and they lose Derrick Henry. You know, Houston, though, they're a respectable 7-9 and nine against the spread. Uh, and look... Money is green in, in these Week 17 games. Check that, Week 18 games. Uh, you put up a number, you put up a rotation number, people are going to bet those games. That's what this is all about. Even today, Kansas City goes to Denver. That's the biggest runaway line I, I think I might have ever seen. It, it was minus three last week in the look ahead. But the minute Tennessee won and Kansas City lost, the Chiefs had to go in and beat Denver today. That line went to 11, but Denver gets the cash. But the Chiefs, they needed to win, and they still need the Titans to lose to the Texans tomorrow to get the number one seed. And, again, if we were doing this show last night, I would have told you that the Chiefs were only 2-8 and against the spread versus sub-500 foes this year. Denver's a sub-500 foe. Chiefs now 2-9 and against the spread. You always use the final number, and the final number ended up being 11. Interesting game, Dallas and Philadelphia. Clearly, Philadelphia 
decided that they were going to go through the motions tonight. Dallas, they decided they wanted to try to get their offense in gear against the Philadelphia JV team. Uh, but uh, <coughs> the Cowboys, they broke a, a nice trend tonight of their own. Uh, they were laying six and a half. They're heading into tonight's game. They're 0-5 straight up and against the spread in their last five Saturday games. Meanwhile, in the Eagles' last nine games, very quietly, they're averaging 26 points a game, giving up only 16. Tonight, they got smoked. But I think the Eagles are going to be a tough out in the playoffs. They're, they're first in the league in rush yards at 161 per game. They're first in the league with 24 rushing touchdowns. They'll have Jalen Hurts back next week. And he's rushed for 784 yards this year, which leads all quarterbacks. All right, the one game tomorrow, if, you could, if I can only watch one game. I don't see how it couldn't be the Chargers versus the Raiders, 8.20 p.m. Eastern Sunday night. Chargers currently minus 2.5, the total 49.5. The Raiders, it's been an incredible story this year. Their first 13 games, they were 6-7. and seven. They're 3-0 and oh in their last three. Their first 13 games, they were allowing over 27 points per game. In their last three, 15 points per game. This is incredible. Their first 13 games, the Raiders were allowing 357 yards to their opponents per game. Last three games, only 219. And this is a key one. Teams were uh, against the Raiders. Teams, 43% conversion on third down. That's now down to 28%. This is going to be a very interesting game tomorrow because the Chargers is road favorites of four or less in the last 20 games. Only 7-13 and 13 against the number. Not exactly awe-inspiring. So you can make a very good case for both teams. The reason I believe the Chargers will prevail, knowing full well anything can happen, is because they're slightly healthier. They are healthier, and they do have the better roster on paper. But when they take the field tomorrow, they're going to have to do it. And I will tell you, it's going to be an incredible atmosphere. Coming up, we'll talk to a gentleman who will be at the game tomorrow. Uh, he has uh, he has been on the Raider beat literally since minute one when it was announced the Raiders would be coming to Las Vegas and still played their final year in Oakland, Alameda County Coliseum. Gentleman by the name of Kevin Bollinger. He was also at the uh, at the Fortress tonight covering Mark Andre Fleury's return to Las Vegas. But I digress. Kevin will join us coming up, and we'll. Talk about the Raiders. We'll talk about the game tomorrow night. And we'll tease a little bit into the future as to where the Raiders' head, heads are in terms of potential coaches for 2022. I'm Bernie Fratto, coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. This is the pregame show you always wanted, so don't go away. You're listening to Straight Out of Vegas. Straight Out of Vegas! The great Bernie Fratto, folks. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. He's Mike Carmen. I'm Dan Byer. We have a brand new fantasy football podcast called I Want Your Flex 
twice a week, every Tuesday and Friday, we come up with new episodes to not only look back at what happened, what you need to do at that minute, and also look ahead of what's coming up in the fantasy football world. That's right, Dan. Every week, we're going to scour the waiver wire to find the pickups to turbo boost your fantasy lineup since starts fantasy football players' rankings to get you ready to dominate the competition. Listen to I Want Your Flex with Mike Harmon and me, Dan Beyer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, back on Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. Without further ado, let's bring in a gentleman, a good friend of mine. He is the local Fox 5 sports anchor, TV. He's been on the Raiders beat since day one. Let's welcome him and say hello to Kevin Bollinger. Kevin, I know it's a busy night for you. Thanks for making time. No, anytime, Bernie. Uh, an exciting weekend in Vegas, as they all seem to be now from a sports standpoint. And it's going to be capped by that big Raiders-Chargers game tomorrow night. Man, you're you're not kidding. Uh, and let's start right there. Uh, this has been a Hollywood script season that if someone would have submitted the script, it would have been rejected. But be that as it may, incredibly, the Raiders find themselves in a de facto playoff game Sunday night. What's the mindset of the team right now? I think it's a, a us against the world type of mentality because this team has been put through the ringer this year. Most of it by stuff that they had nothing to do with, but they had to answer for and that's the John Gruden stuff, the Henry Rugg stuff. Yet they have fought through all of that when a lot of teams could have just caved in and said, you know what, let's just chalk this up to another bad year and get to the off season." These guys kind of rallied the troops. They've won the last three games, which are all essentially playoff games for this team to try and keep their hopes alive. And they've said all season long, Bernie, that there's something special about this locker room. And, yes, we hear players say that on teams every year, but this team has a very special bond that became even tighter because of all the adversity that they've had to go through. And I think that they want to see this through and make the playoffs. And and that's why tomorrow night I think you're going to see uh, a hyped-up team and, and their best effort. You really state that well. The Raiders have had a series of indignities this year that they had nothing to do with, but they had to answer for and be accountable for. And that's why I think this next question is so very important. Whether or not the Raiders win tomorrow or not, will they give a fair shot for Rich Basaccia, the interim head coach, to be brought back next year, given his incredible stabilizing influence over the last five weeks? I don't think so. I think that uh, the Raiders have to make the playoffs and maybe even win a game for Bisaccia to get the head coaching job. Uh, Not anything that he has done wrong. He has been uh, a great, as you said, stabling influence, and and he's done it the right way because he's managed this team. He hasn't come in and kind of taken over. He was a special teams coach. He has let uh, Gus Bradley, the defensive coordinator, do his thing. He's let Greg Olson who uh, took over the play calling when Gruden left, do his thing, and and basically work together as one big unit. Um, but I still think that they need to not only get to the playoffs, but possibly win. Not necessarily, uh, again, because of what Basashi did. And I wouldn't be surprised if, if they didn't try to keep him on maybe as a special teams coordinator. But I think that the Raiders would look for a little bit more flash uh, with, with a new head coach. But, hey, if the Raiders win tomorrow night, and then they go to, to that first-round opponent on the road and then win, uh, I don't see how you can't give them a fair shot. 
Well, I think from the standpoint of continuity, at least one more year and, and, and let it go from there. I'm told, though, that if the Raiders do move on, that it's not going to be an overnight process. They're going to cast a pretty wide net. They're going to do a lot of search, uh, a pretty big search. They will, of course, honor the Rooney rule, and they will not simply appoint somebody or, 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 or handpick somebody the way they did with John Gruden four years ago. I heard it will be a much more thorough process. Are you hearing that as well? Yeah, then, you know, the Rooney rule is never a problem with the Raiders. Uh, the most uh, diverse hiring organization in pro sports uh, and have a long track record of that. But I think that the, the they're going to do their due diligence where, you know, when the whole Jack Del Rio thing went down, it was a very bizarre situation. Again, final game of the regular season against the Chargers. This one was down in the soccer stadium in Carson while they were transitioning uh, up into uh, SoFi Stadium. And Jack Del Rio announced his own firing in his post-game press conference. Uh, I think that you're going to see the Raiders handle things a little bit differently with the transition if they do decide to go in a different direction. And I don't think that it will be a knee-jerk reaction. I want to uh, think that they would know how important this hire is because this hire is going to trigger a lot of things with this franchise for the years to come because the new head coach has to really make the decision on Derek Carr, whether he stays or goes. He has one year left on his contract. And there are a lot of players that that this team could look totally different next year. And so they have to make this decision the right way because it, it is not something that's not just going to impact the next couple of years. It's going to impact this franchise for many years to come. We're talking with Kevin Bollinger. He's our local Fox 5 TV sports anchor. He's been on the Raiders beat since minute one you can see he's got his finger on the pulse really good stuff kevin now you stole by thunder which i'm glad you did because there's sort of a triumvirate we've talked about risk versaccia uh let's talk about Derek carr and then let's also talk about mike mayock do you expect mike mayock to be back i i do have a feeling that mike mayock is going to be back and part of that is you know we really don't know you know gruden had control of uh, a lot of the player personnel stuff. And in terms of the draft, we don't know how much input Mayock had and all of that. So I think that, that, you know, Mark Davis is going to have to make a decision as to are we going to give him the the keys here a little bit and and see uh, what he can do, or do they go in a a totally different direction? I do not see them giving uh, control to a head coach like they did with John Gruden again uh, because it, it just didn't work out. So... Uh, but that also is going to be what some of the top head coaches might try to demand. So, uh, you know, an interesting spot for Mark Davis here. But if I were to guess right now, I, I would say that, that Mayock will be back at least for one more year. All right, final question for you, because Derek Carr uh, is a stellar individual. He is a guy, though, who for whatever reason is polarizing in terms of the nation's view of him. There really no is in between. They either like him or they don't. Part of that's because he's never been to the playoffs, never won a playoff game. He broke his leg the one year, not his fault. Do you expect Derek Carr to be back next year, or if they decide they need to rebuild from the ground up, he can still command a lot of draft capital, and you've still got Marcus Mariota. Who do you think the Raiders stick with next year? Well, I mean, and that, that again, I think comes down to the, the new head coach and, and what type of system they want to run, and then the Raiders have to make the decision – how close are they? How close do they think they are to actually winning it? Because if, if you're going to not have somebody who they feel is at least as good as Derek Carr 
taking over the reins, then are you basically throwing your hands up and rebuilding? This team has a lot of, of young potential superstars at a lot of different positions on both sides of the ball. And, you know, I think there's a feeling that if they can fit the right pieces in with free agency and rebuild this offensive line a little bit, that this team is close to becoming somebody who could contend. The question is, is Derek Carr the guy that can take you there? And I think that a lot of that's going to be answered as to who else is available out there on the market, whether, uh, you know, a name like Russell Wilson pops up, uh, you know, something like that, to where you're going to get a quarterback that can continue to, to raise the level of where your team's at, or do you have to take a step back and rebuild the Raiders, I don't think, want to do that and are in position to do that. So the crossroads is going to come quickly because they're going to have to either extend him or get rid of him this offseason because he's only got one year left, no guaranteed money left on that contract. Uh, so uh, the time to, to get the deal done would be now. Kevin, thanks so much for joining us uh, tomorrow night around this time. Your lead story, I get the feeling, will write itself. We'll look forward to seeing it. Thanks so much, Kevin. You got it. Thank you, Bernie. That is Kevin Bollinger, our local Fox 5 sports anchor, TV, and he has uh, been really on the Raiders' beat since day one, and so he covered a lot of good ground there. Uh, A lot of questions will be answered tomorrow, but there'll be a lot of unanswered questions. Another question that'll be answered Monday night will be, who will be our next college football national championship? We'll cover that coming up next, but first, let's go to the man. He is the man, Brian Finley, with the update. Thank you, Bernie. Yes, Dak Prescott breaking the Cowboys' single-season touchdown record now with 37 scores, surpassing Tony Romo as Prescott went for five touchdowns on Saturday night in a Cowboy win against the Eagles, 51-26. to Now, Dallas still has a chance at that two-seed in the playoffs in the NFC, but they're going to need some help. The Buccaneers would have to lose to the Panthers. By the way, the Panthers are in last place, and also the Rams and Cardinals will have to lose their games in Week 18. As far as the Chiefs-Broncos game, also on Saturday, KC got it done 28-24, all thanks to Nick Bolton with that fumble that he picked up and ran it 86 yards the other way for a touchdown in the fourth quarter to put KC up for good. And they can also get that top seed in the AFC playoff picture on the condition that the Texans beat the Titans. And good luck with that. According to ESPN, Jimmy Garoppolo is battling that thumb injury, but he has a strong chance of starting on Sunday against the Rams. The Buccaneers, according to reports, are giving a four-year $73 million deal to their star nose tackle, Vita Vea. As far as the NBA, is concerned Tyler Hero stars for the Heat who are playing without Jimmy Butler. He had 23 points. Hero did in a 123-100 victory for Miami over the Suns. Demonis Sabonis scored a career-high 41 points for the Pacers. He won 18 of 22 from the floor as Indiana gets the job done against the Jazz, 125 to 113. The Celtics knocked down the Knicks, 99 to 75. Boston's Jalen Brown thriving with a triple-double. As far as the college basketball outlook, number four, Gonzaga sticks it to Pepperdine, 117 to 83. Zags Anton Watson had 19 points to lead the Bulldogs. Number five, UCLA. Takes it to Cal, 60-52. to The Bears shot one of 14 
from three-point territory. And number two, Duke Wiltz against Miami. Yeah, the Canes are victorious 76-74 thanks to Karen Magusky hitting a jump for a go-ahead basket with about 22.8 ticks left in that second half. With that, let's get it back to a man who was money from 15 feet. It's our guy Bernie Fratto in Las Vegas. Nothing but net, baby. Nothing but net. Thanks so much, Brian. <clears throat> All right, think about this. Over the last 158 games that Alabama uh, has played, the Alabama Crimson Tide has played in football, they've been an underdog twice, both against Georgia, and they won both games outright. And then you've got the Crimson Tide head coach, Nick Saban, uh, whose standards of excellence uh, are equal to that of the god in Alabama, Paul Bear Bryant. Matter of fact, not only has Nick <clears throat> had success on the field, he has a college coaching tree that boasts 21 assistants that went on to secure head coaching positions. And even in his spare time, he does Aflac commercials with, with some guy named Deion Sanders. His name rings a bell. It wasn't that long ago the Tide beat the Dogs 41-24, to six-and-a-half-point underdogs. And, and, and it was funny because Saban afterward admitted that usually the media, usually you guys are rat poison, right? But this time you're rat poison. Usually the rat poison you give us is fatal. But this time it was it was yummy. Uh, notwithstanding that, uh, look, one of Saban's assistants, Kirby Smart, has put together a Bulldogs team that really can go toe to toe with Alabama anytime. They just can't beat them. Uh, the Saban is four and zero against Kirby Smart. He's twenty five and one against his former assistants, and. In the semifinal matchup, you know, Georgia Georgia really stuffed Michigan. I think people saw that. So Georgia is a two-and-a-half, three-point favorite. This will be the most bet-on game in the history of college football. I absolutely believe that for multiple multitude of reasons, but we're trending in that direction. And by the way, not for nothing, Alabama's 5-0 and straight up as a single-digit underdog against anybody since 2008. And when you consider the fact that Nick Saban – uh, his team scored more points in the second quarter of the SEC final game. He scored 24 points in the second quarter alone than the Dogs had allowed in any full game this season. Remember, they only allowed 11 against Michigan. Uh, that is incredible. Bama also has a defense, too. Cincinnati was no slouch. They deserved to be there. They held Cincinnati, who hadn't lost a game all year, to six points in 284 yards. And it was the eighth game this season in which Alabama... Uh, has managed to hold their opponent to their season low yardage. Now, I realize Alabama won't have their wide receiver, John Mechie, um, <clears throat> but there are a couple edges you look for in this game. Bryce Young is the Heisman Trophy winner, and I think Stetson Bennett is a lot better than people have given him credit for, and he had a superb game against Michigan, and the reason the coaches have him on the field is because He's more mobile than JT Daniels. He runs the offense better than JT Daniels. He's not as good a pure passer. But Kirby Smart has chosen him to be on the field because he gives them the best chance to win. By the way, not for nothing, this may sound like a nebulous stat. Stetson Bennett was also a walk-on. Nick Saban, in his life, has never lost to a walk-on quarterback, ever. And as I just mentioned, St. Nick, he's 25-1 and straight up, 16-10 and against the spread, against his former coaches by an average margin of 23 points, including winning four straight versus Kirby Smart by an average margin of victory of 11 points. 
He's also a perfect 6-0 straight up and against the spread as a dog when he's coming off four more wins in a roll, which is the same role he is when he knocked off Georgia in the SEC title game last month. And I, I will tell you, look, and then if you want to just talk about some generic things in the college football championship game, uh, Georgia is the favorite. But the favorite in the college football championship game there's really hasn't been an advantage being the favorite. They're only four on three straight up, which means the, in seven tries, the favorite has lost outright three, and they're only two and five against the spread. So even the times they've won, they've only covered twice out of seven times, including 0-3 against the spread when they're not undefeated. Georgia is not undefeated. And the Bulldogs, by the way, they're just one and four straight up, 0-5 against the number as bull chalk of seven or fewer points. When they're coming off a loss against an opponent they played earlier in the season. So I could go back and forth all day. I will just tell you this, do what you will. But the bottom line is I cannot pass up on an opportunity to once again back the number one ranked team in the nation as an underdog in the biggest game of the season. This is just simply where Nick Saban lives. Quantum physics, you get on that field with all the bright lights again, the stage isn't going to be too big for any, every, anybody. And these teams have been here before, and we do have, I think, the best two teams in the country. And, yes, you could say that when they played before, Bama was desperate and they had to win, and Georgia was going to be in the playoffs regardless. It wasn't the same level of motivation. Fair. That's decent, deductive reasoning. But Bama also put up 41 points and won by 17. I think it'll be a little closer this time. Instead of 41-24, I think it's going to be like 27-24 Alabama. Give me Nick Saban, the points, anytime, anywhere. I want my cake to eat it, too. This is simply where Alabama lives, and he'll end up being 26-1 and against his former assistants. And tip of the cap to Georgia. They can beat anybody else in the country. You just can't beat Bama. Then again, well, who can? All right, coming up, yes, it's week 18 in the NFL. And this is new to us. This is new vernacular in the lexicon of the English language. There's no eight week 18 in the NFL until later today. And be that as it may, it's still the final season, of, the final week of the season in the NFL. And as such, there are, in fact, trends that have been pretty solid in the last 10 years and even going back to 1980. So we'll share with you uh, what those are. Coming up. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. This is the pregame show you always wanted, so don't go away. You're listening to Straight Out of Vegas. Straight out of Vegas! One of the best in the business, Bernie Fratto. We're back on Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. Before I go any further, I want to thank my stellar team back in Los Angeles, Chris Perfett, Brian Finley. And Bo Benson, turning all the dials, keeping us glued together so we can bring this fine show to a grateful nation. Teamwork, teamwork, my friends. All right, so week 18 in the NFL, whether it's week 18, week 17, you get the picture. It's the last week of the NFL regular season. And the National Football League is king. And it will remain king as long as folks can put a shekel or two on the games, and believe me, they're doing it in record numbers. So therefore, you may look at some of these Week 18 games and say they're meaningless. They're like exhibition games. Well, that's not entirely true because 
there's been a lot of data amassed <clears throat> going back to 1980, uh, or actually check that, 1990, that has to do with e e not just even the final week, but the final two weeks of the season, that if you find a matchup whereby one team has to win to get into the playoffs and they're facing a team with essentially zero incentive, whether they win or lose tomorrow, their season is done, then you will find that over history, if you bet the team with zero incentive, just in the last 10 years, you'd be 26 and 16 against the spread. That's 62%. And uh, believe it or not, of, of those 42 games, 13 of those teams who needed to win, they, they didn't even forget covering the spread. They didn't even win outright. And it even goes deeper. If you focus on favorites laying more than a field goal, you fade these must-win teams. They're even a more glaring 31% against the number. So let's take a look at, at some games tomorrow that, that fit this pattern because really it's, it's not as convoluted as you think. There are two remaining playoff spots available in the AFC. The Raiders will play the Chargers. Now, that doesn't fit into this trend. They'll cancel each other out. Obviously, the Raiders are in if they win. Or they're in if they tie and Indianapolis loses. Or Indianapolis loses and Pittsburgh loses or ties. See, I, I knew we shouldn't go down that road, but I, I, I just did it, right? Uh, the Chargers win or tie. They're in tomorrow. So one of the, one of the two are going to be in, the Raiders or Chargers. The other team that looks very likely that they're going to be in are the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts are in with a simple road win or actually tie over the lowly Jaguars. I'm sure they've got their golf clubs packed. But uh, even even in that case, I hate to say this, but the loss doesn't necessarily eliminate the Colts. But they would need, if the Colts lose tomorrow, they would need wins by the Dolphins and Ravens, and then they'd need the, Raider, the, the Raiders to win on Sunday night. So that's what they'd have to do. But... Let's say, for purposes of this argument, that the Colts are going to win tomorrow. Well, they're laying 16 and a half points. History tells us that Jacksonville has about a 62% chance of covering that game. Yes, they have zero incentive, but they're also at home. And you've got a hot Haas team going outdoors, on the road, laying over two touchdowns. Do not be surprised, in the least, if Jacksonville covers that game. We'll be talking with Steve Fezzik here at about 30 minutes. That's one of the games we'll go over. That's one of the games I'll probably fire on tomorrow, and I will not fire on the favorite. So there's another classic case of a situation where a team needs to win in the final regular season to secure and guarantee they're in the playoffs. That's Indianapolis, but they're playing a team with zero incentive. That is the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. That game is at 425 Eastern. Um, I, again, I, I checked that. It's at 1 o'clock Eastern. Even though Jacksonville's 2-14, and 14, they're getting 16 and a half at home. You know, the Colts are only 9-7. and seven. They haven't been world beaters. You never know when Carson Wentz is going to do what he does. So the value in that game are the, Colt, or are the Jacksonville Jags and the points. And you, you say, well, it's a meaningless game. Nope, it's not. It's not a meaningless game. Another team where you've got to take a look at, if the Saints beat the Falcons on the road, now, they'll clinch a playoff spot if the 49ers lose to the Rams. But if the Saints lose, 
Atlanta beats them. Well, that sends New Orleans packing. The Saints are a three-and-a-half-point favorite at Atlanta, 425 Eastern. The 8-8 eight and eight Saints still have designs on getting to the playoffs, but, but history tells us that there's a 62% chance they're not going to cover the three-and-a-half. They might not even win, and it's a divisional game on the road. You're laying three-and-a-half final weekend. That is not insignificant. Now, the Niners and Rams, this kind of cancels it. it, it this cancels out as well because the Rams are not, it's not a zero incentive game for the Rams. Uh, the Rams would very much like to clinch the NFC West. And to do that, they have to win. And if the Rams don't win, then they have to hope Arizona loses. Arizona's home against Seattle, laying six points. The Cardinals can clinch the NFC West if they win tomorrow. And the Rams lost, lose. So the Rams could find themselves a number one seed, a number two. They could, they could be a number, or check that. They won't be a number one seed. They could be a number two seed, but they could get a home playoff game, or they could fall away to number five. So some of this isn't, you know, as I would say is, you know, cut and dried as you think. The Patriots are at Miami laying points. Now the Pats can, can clinch the number one seed if they win and Buffalo loses. Now Kansas City lost. So that kind of hurts that. But they can clinch the AFC division title if they win and Buffalo loses. So they're playing the, pay, the, the Dolphins, who have zero incentive. Long and the short of it is, you might want to take a look at the points there. So you get the picture. As you peruse the games tomorrow, find the teams where you've got one side that has a real playoff incentive versus a team that has zero incentive. And I can tell you, over the years, it's about 62% in your favor, the team that has 0% uh, incentive. All right, coming up, Fox Sports Radio, Fox Sports Sunday. We continue to 3 a.m. Keep it locked right here. Right out of Vegas! 